1: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach,
2: visit stripe.com tapiphone tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, the music industry comes for Twitch, how to keep small businesses alive using tech, and Facebook gets into game streaming. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, October 26th, 2020 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood adjacent,
3: I'm Sarah Lane. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang.
2: Joining us today, Brett Rouncevelle, head of merchant operations at Local Laboratory, and I'd like to think friend of the show. Hey, Brett, how's it going?
0: yay bff of the show it's Aww. great to see you guys
2: yeah it's good to have you back man uh we talked about keep on the show not too long ago so we're gonna dig in a little more to what that is and and what it's attempting to do uh we were just talking with brett about the rules of spelling and style guides uh and our own personal blocks on that you can get that wider conversation on our expanded show good day internet at patreon.com slash dtns let's start with a few tech things you should know
3: Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey will voluntarily testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee on November 17th to discuss recent content moderation decisions regarding the New York Post story on Hunter Biden's laptop.
2: Bloomberg's Mark Gurman and Debbie Wu report that, according to sources, Apple is working on updates to its AirPod and AirPod Pro earbuds that have new wireless chips and new designs. Their sources are saying the standard AirPods will look similar to the current Pro's, so they'll take on that Pro look with replaceable ear tips they'll have better battery life but they still won't have no noise cancellation that will be reserved as a pro feature uh they are planned for a first half 2021 release again according to these sources and the new pros would be designed to fill the ear with no step they'd get a total design change
3: as part of Microsoft's planned deprecation of Internet Explorer, starting with Edge 87, a list of 1,156 sites accessed in IE would automatically open in Edge. This includes YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, ESPN eHarmony and GoDaddy, though enterprise users will be able to set group policies to disable the forced loading.
2: OnePlus announced two new phones in its mid range Nord lineup the €349 N10 5G and the €199 N100. The N10 has the Snapdragon 690 SOC, supports sub 6 gigahertz 5G, and comes with a 90 hertz refresh rate on its screen. The N100, the one that costs €199, has a Snapdragon 460 chip. 5000 milliamp hour battery and three rear cameras both of these models have rear fingerprint readers and run android 10 the n100 comes out november 10th in the uk and europe with the n10 arriving later in november and both are set to come to north america at some point unspecified at this time
3: Twitter began placing messages at the top of a user's feed to preemptively debunk misinformation about voting by mail with plans to add a similar message about the timing of election results on October 28th. Because this won't be a contextual notification alongside a specific tweet with a misinformation, Twitter is calling this pre-bunking. That's what I used to See what they did there? What a bunch
2: of jokesters. All right, let's talk a little more about Facebook rolling out streaming games to its website and Android app for some, but not all, U.S. users. Uh, These streaming games are basically newer versions of the HTML5 games. In fact, you're going to find them in the same place you find their current HTML5 games. Remember, HTML5 games replaced the Flash-based games. This is kind of the next generation. Streaming games that support Facebook login for gaming on their own app, can save your progression between their app and the Facebook streaming version. This is cool. If you have an app, say on iOS, for a game that is also available on Facebook game streaming, you can save your game between those two platforms. The launch games will be free to play and latency tolerant. So these aren't things that need to have really fast action. Facebook will take a 30% commission on all in-app purchases. This is part of the platform. And as part of the launch, Facebook will let users go by a player name and themed avatar instead of your real name and photo. Now, your player name is still linked to your real name and photo, but you can not have to have your real name showing up in leaderboards and in games and that sort of thing. You do have to be logged into a game using Facebook, to do that. Uh, but it'll work both in Facebook games as well as games that support logging in with Facebook. Facebook has no plans to roll out cloud gaming to the iOS app because Apple's App Store rules uh, forbid linking out to or, or using a game streaming service, as we've talked about many times on DTNS. And Facebook points out you can't even link out to a web browser to start a cloud based game stream. So if you're in the Facebook app on iOS, you won't even know these games exist. The rollout is limited to California, Texas, and 10 states across the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic, as well as Washington, D.C., because they want to keep them close to Facebook's data centers, which is done usually to reduce latency and improve performance, but these aren't latency sensitive, so that's kind of interesting.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, my first reaction was like, okay, this makes sense. We know that Facebook has been wanting to lean into gaming a little bit more. The fact that the rollout is limited... And Facebook saying, "Listen, got to be close to our data centers. I mean, doesn't have Facebook? Doesn't Facebook have lots of data centers across they the world? And apparently, they're more.
2: they're in twelve states. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, which is
3: there's there's more to it than that. But I had to kind of chuckle at that. It sounds like yeah, limited rollout. Let's see if this sticks, and then and then you know make it a bigger thing. Yeah. I imagine the, it's just a way Facebook to keep back in the day it, right? was yeah. like." You know, there were there were lots of games that you could play on Facebook. And a lot of that ended up being kind of data, you know, it, data issues and just kind of spammy and that whole thing. Facebook obviously has an opportunity, as it does with, you know, lots of other things that have caught on on other platforms, to be able to make a dent in this market. And this makes a lot of sense to me. um but it's it seems, kind of limited. It seems like Facebook is like dipping a toe rather than and making a big splash about this.
0: I was also surprised by their lack of splash, but what surprised me the most was that they were sticking to their 30% guns. Like in a world where we're having a lot of high profile battles over that 30% on the App Store, it was a real opportunity to come in at like even 25% and be able to suck in all those developers
2: yeah i I get the sense from this that a lot of people forget that Facebook has games but they're very successful and so Facebook was able to say even though you don't hear about Farmville anymore uh, we got lots of developers who want to make games let's make it easier for you to use the game you already have and you'll just run it off our server right so so Brett, I know you've done a, a bunch of you know web development apps uh, you you've you've been involved with a lot of apps uh, before if if Facebook came to you instead Instead of creating an HTML5 game for our platform, you can take the app you have now and just have it run off our servers. Would That seems like it would be an easier implementation.
0: I mean, it, it really depends on what you're building, right? If what you're building doesn't need that kind of infrastructure, then all you're asking of the developer is to do more development to, to move it over to that platform.
2: Well, I'm what I'm guessing the pitch is you don't need to do development, just... Put it on the server and we'll take care of running the servers, right? I could be wrong.
0: Sure. Yeah, I guess my point is there's there's really no such thing as no development. Yeah, like right, that's right. still that's fair. take effort <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah. There's always something you have to do, even if it even if it's simpler. Um yeah I think comparing this to Stadia and stuff, I'm sure Facebook would like to get there someday, but this seems like a smarter move for Facebook uh to say we're not going to get into com- competition with Project X Cloud and Stadia and Nvidia. Uh we're going to just upgrade our html5 games to say like oh if you've got an android app you can now launch that instead of having to make an html5 version uh and and they'll build from there and maybe they'll turn into a stadia someday they say they're not ruling out doing premium games at some point uh or not maybe it'll just continue to be casual games that run on the facebook platform like they have now
3: Variety obtained a letter sent to Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos and Twitch CEO Emmett Shear by the RIAA SAG-AFTRA, which is a, very big entertainment industry union, and several other recording industry groups claiming that Twitch has failed to properly license music. The letter claims that Twitch's new soundtrack tool, which provides a library of tracks from independent labels for streams, lacks pro- lacks proper sync, and also mechanical licenses. The letter also says that Twitch lets streamers use other music without authorization, as well as not responding or even acknowledging infringement notices that it receives. In response, Twitch says it pays royalties to performing rights organizations and licenses to labels for the use of music in Twitch projects and productions, maintains soundtrack, is properly licensed, and says it also responds to all valid DMCA notices.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, point one to remember here is music licensing is a complex situation. Uh, there's not a music license. You, you get a license for a recording. You have to also pay a license to the composer of that recording. And there's something called the sync license that Sarah mentioned, which is even though I have the right to stream this song and I've paid for the composition, I may not have the right to sync that up. In other words, using it with other video behind it. Uh, which is what you do on Twitch, right? You're talking on video and music's playing behind you. That technically is sync. Usually it's meant for movies and stuff, but it fits the profile. So it's not surprising that Twitch might've thought they had all their licensing issues covered and the music industry would come in and say, well, no, actually you need to pay for this other type of license as well. Uh, What I think is really going on here is the music industry is looking at Twitch and saying, we're not going to ignore you anymore. You're a huge organization. uh, And like we turned our attention to streaming services like Spotify a few years ago, we're going to turn our attention to you right now and try to get the best deal out of you possible. We're going to do a full court press pressure on you.
3: Yeah, it seems to me that uh, Twitch will pay a little bit of money and everyone will kind of go back to their corners and that will probably be at least the short term solution to this.
2: OLED TVs usually have a pixel per inch measurement. Uh, Usually on uh, televisions, it's about 100 to 200 PPI. Phone displays are usually a little higher because they can afford, it's a smaller screen, they can afford to beef it up to like 400 to 500. Researchers from Stanford and Samsung had developed an OLED display with a density of more than 10,000 pixels per inch this display uses oled films to emit light between two reflective surfaces, and i'll get back to those reflective surfaces and why you need two of them in a second one of the surfaces though called the meta surface has 80 nanometer high pillars, so very, 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 very small pillars, spaced less than a wavelength of light apart. That's a very, very small amount of space between them. And those pillars are bundled together to make up the pixels of the screen. So because those are so very, very small, your pixels are only 2.4 microns wide, which means you can fit a lot of pixels per inch in a screen. Each pixel is also divided into four equal-sized sub-pixels, which can reflect red, green, or two of them can do blue. Uh, So it's it's a pixel, but you can kind of turn on and turn off various parts of it to make it either be blue, red, or green. RGB, right? The light reflects back and forth between those two layers I mentioned to increase the luminescence. So it kind of amplifies it and makes it more luminous. Researchers say the display offers twice the luminescence efficiency of standard OLED displays with a higher color purity, and that actually seems to be the big advantage of this technique. Uh, Researchers are saying you could use such high PPI for virtual reality augmented reality headsets uh to make it better immersion because you're well beyond what the eye can see no more screen door effects based on their research the theoretical limit for the tech could be as high as twenty thousand pixels per inch they think they can get it there although there's a trade-off uh for brightness as you make that additional density now this is not the only high ppi system out there micro led uh not in practice right now, but theoretically in the in the labs can also reach ten thousand to thirty thousand ppi. But the researchers here say we think our system with the little pillars has better color purity. Uh, if you want to read up on this, the findings are detailed in the october twenty two issue of the journal Science.
3: So, dumb question, but if you say, <laughs> yeah, and it will be dumb, I'm sure. If you say, all right, we, we, researchers are working on an OLED display with a density of more than 10,000 uh, ppi. If you go to 20,000, that's theoretically possible as well, but you've got a trade off of brightness mm-hmm. because you have additional density. Wouldn't it be brighter because there are more pixels?
2: Uh, that is a very good question. I don't know the answer. Uh, yeah no
3: I, and guess, I don't mean to put you on the spot. My guess I just, is you know, that
2: even though you still have the reflection and the luminescence, uh, having to cram those in means that you are you are maybe have less power. Uh, so, mm, the, so the so yeah. the the output is not as much at the start.
0: It also might be the relative proportion of the space between, like the pillars themselves and the actual pixel. So you might end up with like more of the space between relative to the actual pixel size of that density. Um, really? like this that. all seems so academic, though. Like, I can't, I'm almost 40. I can't even pick out leaves on a tree. What do I need 20,000 <laughs> PPI <laughs> wait, for? Wait
3: you get to our age, Brett. <laughs> <Pull it down laughs> well, but
2: that, that's always the thing is like, well, I can't see the difference. What's whats yeah. the point? And usually there, there are other things you can do and say like, ah, but w- when you see motion blurring, Uh, That's because we don't have enough pixels, and and you are telling the difference, even though you you don't you know maybe that, but that's usually refresh rate stuff. Uh, I would like to uh, I would like to hear from stuff from from folks in the audience who work on this stuff. Like, yes, you can't see the difference between ten and twenty thousand pixels per inch, but this is what it would be able to do that would let that would that you would notice. Generally,
0: with uh, pixel density, you'll notice there's a term called the Kel Factor. And basically what it says is you can sit closer to something for a given resolution the tighter the the pixel density is because you do not see. The the image seems tighter and sharper, but it comes in a resolution that is comfortable for you Mm -hmm. to see. And that could allow you to do an 8K display that is effectively in your face and you don't feel
2: like it's too close. Yeah, Yeah, that makes Mm. sense. Yeah. That's why they want to do it in virtuality and augmented reality, uh, folks. If you want to join in the conversation in our Discord, maybe you can let us know all about PPI in there. Uh, join it by linking to a Patreon account at patreon.com/dtns.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: The Claude three model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve,
2: Back on September 29th, we did a segment about uh, technology being used by small businesses to help them through the pandemic, uh, because we talked about how many small businesses have suddenly had to become e-commerce companies, Uh, even if they're allowed to be open. Just not as many people come into the store as there used to be. While some have turned to existing offerings like just becoming an Amazon merchant or Shopify has, has done some outreach to companies, new platforms are also arriving tailored to the needs of small businesses themselves to help them make the transition. We mentioned one such effort, KeepOaklandAlive.com, which aims to connect local consumers with local shops in the Oakland area to do some online shopping. Brett Rounceville, you helped get this effort started. Uh, That's why we wanted you to come on the show and talk a little more about it. Let's start with, tell people what Keep Oakland Alive is and why you all decided to start it.
0: Yeah, uh, the reason reason it came about was because um, it happened like the first couple weeks of lockdown. I have a a two-year-old and a four-year-old and the four-year-old was three at the time. So I was like, well, if I'm gonna be locked in this home with this little girl. I'm going to front load birthday presents so we at least have something to do for who knows how long. And so uh, I walked down to the the local toy store, Adventure Toys in Oakland, to, to pick something up. And they were closed, obviously, because it was locked down. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so I just bought some stuff on Amazon and then immediately felt like a jerk and only kept feeling worse about myself as the weeks wore on and I would walk the dog and see the shops closed with... Like steep discounts in their window, everyone trying to figure out where the next sale was going to be. And so my North Star in all of this, after talking to hundreds of shops in the Bay Area and trying to figure out where we could help, was was just as simple as what if what if there was a store that I could visit online where I could put in like a light bulb and some clean underwear and a children's book or whatever I need? And buy it all at the same time, it all shows up at my door in the same package in two days, just like I would expect. But I knew that all of those items were coming from my local retail stores, and I knew that all of the money was staying in my local economy, then it would be my first stop 10 times out of 10. Even if they had a fraction of the inventory, I would never think to go to Amazon first.
2: Yeah. So so in other words, give people the convenience of shopping at Amazon. The people, the reason people use Amazon is I get quick delivery. I can find everything I need all in one place, but have it be local folks, which some people might want to do just out of altruism, but other folks might be wanting to do because they rely on that. They're like, well, I'm used to going to adventure toys. I know they have the stuff I like.
0: Yeah. And it, and it's, it's a difficult problem, right? Like even while I was building it, the A's started their new season, I was going to buy a new A's hat. If there's one thing I'm going to buy locally, it should be an A's hat. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I sat down at my computer and was like, I I don't know where to start. Like, I don't know which URL to type in that is going to connect me to a shop that I will know has an A's hat. Um, and to be able to aggregate all those people is a, it's it's an it's an enormous undertaking, which I happen to know
3: now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the what what you've said about the fact that Amazon kind of made you feel bad is like it's not that you didn't get what you wanted there, because of course that's where you can get everything. But yeah. the fact that you saw personally, you know, walking by local businesses and people who were running those businesses that you care about and you're rooting for uh, hurting. If you, I think almost everybody, if they knew enough about these sorts of options, would say, Oh, yeah, of course, I'll uh, support the local business. I have just been doing it the other way for so long that I didn't really realize that I had other options. So, how do you get the word out on something like this, especially because it's hyper local? So, somebody like me, I don't live in Alameda County, so I can't really participate. But how do you get someone like me to get get kind of you know amped up about this so that we can we can um, offer similar solutions in other areas? Yeah,
0: there's a, there's a lot of community effort that goes into it. I mean, one thing that you have to consider is like even if you use the most uh, the most COVID tainted numbers, you're going to see that like online sales account for maybe 25 to 30% of sales, which means that 70% of sales are happening in stores all the time anyway. And so all of the people that shop in a local community know that those shops exist. So those shops have some sort of contact with those people already. They just have to tell them that there is this other additional easier way to shop with them that other 30% of the time. Um, so a lot of it is is kind of this rising tide that lifts all ships effect when it comes to people talking about other people. And then the other thing you have to consider is that when you really think about it at scale with these shops working together in some way, there there is no advantage that Amazon has outside of pricing. They're always going to be the leader on pricing because there's no way that a, a local shop is going to to reach the kind of scale that they have. But when it comes to like, customer service like knowing their demographics knowing their communities providing like a vibrant space for their community members being able to deliver stuff quickly and in good condition there there's nowhere for amazon to win on that if the shops are are doing their part as as well as they can
2: how do you get the shops to to sign up uh because you know if i if i'm a, a merchant that's you know been there for thirty years. I, I got an Omron cash register. Uh I'm not hooked up to the internet except maybe on my phone or a browser on the PC in the back. Uh you know how do you get somebody like that to say like here let me help you become a part of this online e-commerce situation, even if they're desperately wanting to because they have to.
0: Yeah there's a couple of tranches of 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 shop owners and it's it's because what makes it complicated is exactly what you're saying. There's a lot of these shop owners who own brick and mortar stores because they want to own brick and mortar stores, not because they want to be online businesses. They they either aren't interested in that or aren't interested in technology in general. And so for the for the former, it it's pretty simple. We can write some software. They'll like help us use their online store to to create our online store and interact with them in, in their own workflows. For the shops that are not online at all it's more a function of being able to point to to the advantages of working with the other shops so everyone knows that brick and mortar is broken during the pandemic mm-hmm. and everyone knows that when the pandemic is solved no one's going to have a vaccine for amazon so it's a given that they have to come up with some other solution so the trick is giving them as low impact of a solution as all, as possible when when i was building this I wanted to make it. I mean, the goal was to make it completely hands off for the shop owners. The last thing I wanted to do in the middle of a pandemic election year was to give people another channel to manage. So uh, for a lot of folks, even the ones that are offline, uh, all they have to tell us is, uh, yes, we would like to be involved. And then from there, they hand it off to us and, and we do everything it takes. So to you do all the inventory like little,
2: management and all that?
0: Well, they do their own inventory management, but we we tap into their inventory management system.
2: So enough of them are using some kind of inventory management you could tap into, presumably.
0: Yeah, and and there there is like the most hands-on version where it's a shop owner who writes like handwritten receipts and doesn't use a credit card processing system at all. Um, and for them, it it like it does involve filling out a a spreadsheet, and then once their spreadsheet is filled out, then we can take over.
2: Gotcha. If uh if if folks are looking at this and saying, gosh, that's great. Uh but you know what's still more convenient? Amazon. Like uh I you don't have all the shops I want or 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 I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I trust you guys, even though you know there's a lot of trust issues with Amazon. How do you get people to to make this into a habit, I guess?
0: Yeah, I think it, it comes with building that utility that you were talking about. So uh we don't need to be able to solve the problem every single time that Amazon can solve. But if we can solve it a given percentage of time, more than 50% of the time, then there's a reason to stop at your local shops first. And if we can rewire that part in your brain, then every single step we make towards having greater utility uh, is just going to solve that problem more often when you come. Uh, and I think that's key. Yeah. I think I think really like people want to support their communities. Their shop owners keep their communities vibrant. It's just a matter of, Making it as easy as possible for them.
3: Well, and how cool if anyone um, gets familiar with Keep Oakland Alive and ends up loving a store and what their offerings are, and maybe has never visited the store, even if they were a neighbor, and now can do well. will be able to do that safely in the future. That is such a win for you know the the local the local folks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's even happened with me. Just in in building this system, I've discovered shops that I didn't know that I've shopped at dozens of times in the last couple months.
2: So, uh, how do you get this beyond Oakland? I, I want to finish on that question. Like, if you if you get this working for Oakland, great. Is it does it scale? Can you move it to Berkeley
0: and uh, Forestville and Portland and beyond? Uh, yeah, that's the hope. I, I, I don't see any reason why we couldn't. We're pretty focused on the holiday season in Oakland, but, um, yeah, reach out if you're interested.
2: All right. There you go, folks. Um uh, well then let's check out the mailbag.
3: Oh, let's do it. Adam from still sunny San Diego. Yes, Adam, you are among friends. Says, I feel like not enough attention is being paid to the possibility that the iPhone 12 could ruin any cards with a magnetic strip. Am I the only one who thinks this is a ticking time bomb to angry customers in a month or two when their cards, their hotel keys, their licenses get messed up? Mag gate anyone? In case there's not a magnetically shielded uh, will will be a arrested. It, it, Any case that's not magnetically shielded will be a risk, depending on how they're situated near the phone, if the magnet is strong enough. I went to an Apple store via appointment today, and the rep said he couldn't answer if it was safe to put a credit card next to the 12 or not. Why? How do they not know?
2: Uh, Support documents for Apple state that users should remove wallet accessories before connecting to the MagSafe charger. The phone doesn't seem to be uh, as much of a problem. It's the charger, citing potential risk of damage to magnetic strips or RFID chips. So they're more worried about hotel key cards, honestly, than they are credit cards. First of all, credit card magnetic strips are a little tougher. And secondly, most credit card readers are using the chip, not the magnetic strip these days. Uh, Apple's own magnetic wallet accessory uh, has some protection on it. So when it's on the phone, you can stick your credit cards in it. Uh, But they still say that you shouldn't stick the accessory to the cards but yeah it's something we've had to deal with for a long time is that you don't want your phone next to your hotel card or your credit card because it might wipe off the strip
3: and it has for me over many years. Um, I've gotten really used to putting them in two, very two different places. So yeah, no, a valid question, Adam. Um, and thanks for the email. Also thanks to everybody who emails us, whether they're questions or comments, something on your mind. You got a cat photo? I know. I ask for it every once a once a quarter or so. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is where to send those emails. Also shout out to patrons at our master and our grandmaster levels, including Andrew Bradley, Ken Hayes, and Brad. Also, thanks to Brett Roundsville. So nice to have you on the show telling us about Keep Oakland Alive. We know you're very busy. Let folks know where they can keep up with your work.
0: Yeah, you can reach out to me at brett at com, or you can follow me on Twitter as Amtrekker, A-M-T-R-E-K-K-E-R.
2: Do that and reach out if you want to keep Berkeley
0: alive or Green alive. Or if you're an iOS developer or a front-end developer. Very good. Very good. Good to know. Uh,
2: hey, go. folks. Oh, Yes no i said there you there you go you got you know they're, they're hiring would you like a dtns <laughs> hat hoodie or mouse pad uh, we even have masks you can find all that and more at the dtns store dailytechnewshow.com slash store and always support the show at dailytechnewshow.com slash patreon
3: we are live, Monday through Friday, 4 30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. We'd love to have you join us. If you can, you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We will be back tomorrow with Charlotte Henry. Talk Bye. to you then. Bye.
0: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com you have
2: enjoyed this broker.
0: <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do?